Welcome to Hubbub, the people's podcast, where we engage our citizens and investors with the activities of the Planning and Code Administration and encourage everyone to contribute to Hagerstown's growth. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Hubbub podcast. I have the privilege of, again, as always, working with Donnie Harcum. How are you today? I'm fantastic, Sean Brown. How are you today? I'm feeling good. Good. So, welcome. What is the subject of our podcast today? Well, here's a clue. You're in the zone. What zone? Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's about zoning. Well, what is zoning, you might ask? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about zoning because, in a sense, we're all in the zone. We just may not realize it. But zoning definitely affects each one of us. So we're going to talk about, expand a little bit more about what zoning is as it relates to our land management code. We're going to talk about uh, why we need zoning and how is it implemented. And then uh, something else that's very important is there have been some changes to the land management code. So we're going to talk about uh, five of the major changes. So how about that? Sounds fantastic. Let's get this ball rolling. All right. So we talk about zoning and we're talking about the land management code. What are we talking about? So if you were to look up the city code, in the city code, there is a section, the land management code, and that regulates what we call zoning. And that breaks up, that is the land management code, into three basic sections. One is subdivision and land development. So basically, that's what it does. It controls subdivision growth. It regulates things like design of structures and subdivisions, uh, street designs, landscaping, the utilities, parking, you know, all these things that we just see every day. We take for granted. Right. But if it weren't for zoning, for zoning these things would just kind of be haywire. Hmm. There will be no organization. So that's what that document does. It, it controls that growth. Uh, another section of that is floodplain management. So kind of in a word, we see that it's talking about flood, floodplains. So areas that are more or less prone to flooding um, around water. So that, that part of the ordinance is basically put standards in place to protect human life, to protect property from damage, to reduce financial burdens to communities. So really it's a safety aspect just to ensure uh, the communities protected in a good place in case of a flood. And then the third section forest conservation. Again, we kind of sense conserving what we have in the way of forestry. Uh, That's important because you really can't stop growth, can you? No, you can't. So what we have to do is we have to balance that. As a city grows and expands, uh, we realize that, yeah, that's going to affect our our forestry. So we have to have things into place to do as much as we can to protect those resources, protect the environment, and conserve where possible. In some cases, uh, things have to be put in place to kind of offset maybe what's been eliminated when a forestry to, to keep it doing what it's doing. So that's important as well. So with all these things considered, how are these things actually Im- implemented and controlled? Well, it starts with planning staff. In our department, we have an area of our department planning, and so they're responsible for administering, administering the code on a day-to-day basis, so that when development takes place, whether it's commercial or residential, they go in the right places and they are developed in the right way. So, you know, we're all familiar with what a map is, right? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, so you want to get to know a city, you look at the street map and find out where things are. and So that's really the same is true with the zoning map. So every city, what they'll do is they'll develop a map. And so there are certain areas of the city that are set aside for certain uses. So you got areas where residential goes and then commercial and industrial. So what zoning does is it kind of keeps things like, like, would you want a junkyard next to your house? Definitely not. Now, would you want a refinery next to your house? Not so much. Yeah, so that's what we're talking about. These things we're talking about keep those things from happening. And we also have a great addition to our zoning map coming this year, but we'll get into that later in the episode. But like Sean mentioned, um, the zoning map is a very good way to uh, see where things can be placed. And we have it, we're making it a little bit easier for those developers. But again, we'll talk about that later on in the episode. Absolutely. Good thought as well. So planning staff, they're, they're looking at these things, but we're also working with other entities such as the Planning Commission. That's a board of individuals. They have good experience and they're also a big part of the review and approval of plans when it comes to development. And they are going by the same standards, kind of like a second set of eyes and they have a measure of authority. And even with planning, both the staff and the commission, we're not experts on everything. No, as no. much as we'd like to be. Absolutely. So obviously, and we do it a lot, is we'll get input from outside agencies who are experts. And so we gather all that information, put it together, and try to put together the needed changes. And so the planning staff, they'll consider these changes that need to be made to the land management code and rezonings and take them into consideration where changes need to be made. And I might add that it's not like you got to remember all this stuff. If you're just interested in looking more into detail on what we're talking about, you can find information that we're talking about at uh, our website, hagerstownmd.org, and then hit the government tab, and then you'll see down below planning and zoning. And if you go in there, you'll see the land management code and a lot of valuable resources that provide information for you. So there you go. All right, cool. So now that we know uh, what the land management code entails, uh, let's look at why these jurisdictions need codes. Um, like Sean mentioned, we are here for the safety and um, jurisdictions want to protect the residents and the businesses. Um, they do this by using the code to direct compatible uses to certain areas and keep incompatible uses apart. And they also set up provisions to minimize impact from higher intensity uses on lower intensity uses. Um, another reason we have these codes is to set up things like minimum setbacks, lot area, and heights for buildings and structures. You know, I never knew that was part of zoning, you know, how high a building could be. You know, it's very interesting. The land management code also covers other minimum standards for issues such as parking, signs, outdoor storage, and um, historic district reviews. Uh, the codes exist to establish a standard. For example, the code helps in a situation if someone has a piece of ground that they'd like to develop or break up into smaller pieces for sale or development. Um, in the state of Maryland, each development plan of over 40,000 square feet must be accompanied with a forest conservation plan. And Sean talked about it a little bit earlier, but what exactly is a forest conservation plan? It's an engineer's report on the forest conditions of the site and the plan for retention or planting of trees. So there's a little background on forest conservation plans and why uh, cities, counties, states, and all jurisdictions have 
zoning codes. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, as we know, and sometimes the public sees this, is sometimes changes are made to these. Mm -hmm. uh, updates have to be made, right? And that can be a challenge because you're trying to keep up. You get set on a certain thing and then it changes. Well, why does that happen? Well, quite simply, just think about your own family. Now, Donna, you can relate to this. You're getting ready to have a, a young one come into the world. Yes, sir. Didn't that change your plans? It changed a lot of plans in life, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So as cities grows, just like family, changes happen, and so they have to be able to adjust. And so when we think about zoning, it's uh, what we call uh, it's, a, it's a living document. It's fluid. It changes all of the time. And the reason is, is because, again, just unanticipated changes changing to circumstances that present themselves from time to time. A, a good example, uh, you're going to talk about this a little bit later because it was a change, but just think about cell towers in the context of before cell phones existed. We had no idea or any reason to anticipate that we would need these tall towers, mm -hmm. right? So, but they, 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 you got to have them. Now, where do you put them? Right. Right. So that's just an example of sometimes you have to be able to change and adjust to changing times. So when that happens, then uh, planning staff has to look at those things. And so every year, uh, planning will review these inquiries. They'll look at the requests and concerns that many times can come from just about anywhere, whether it be business owners, even citizens. And so they'll look at these things and then they'll see if they can address them, uh, present a proposed package of amendments. Uh, those will go to the planning commission, and then they can review them, uh, those concerns, and, and address those things. And in, in fact, the 2019 package is currently being discussed by the by the planning commission. So what happens next? Uh, planning commission reviews those things. Now they recommend a package of amendments to the land management code, uh, and the, really the overall goal even as, as a department, is to protect our neighborhoods. We hear that repeated over and over. Yes. Right? To protect our neighborhoods, to really make sure there's desirable uses in place and proper development of land within the city of Hagerstown. And that means sometimes even correcting mistakes and errors because, again, we're all imperfect and don't see everything. So as we know, as things evolve, uh, what the community expect sometimes also changes. Just to give you a simple example, if we remember, if we've been around for a while, years ago, libraries used to be kind of almost unnoticeable. They were just a small building just to go to read books, right? Mm -hmm. But nowadays, and especially in some localities, they're a very, very large presence. They're almost like a focal point of the community. They're more than just reading books. They're computers. They're meeting rooms for the community to meet. And so now they have a bigger impact. So you have to adjust for those things. That's what the citizens want. Exactly. So those are changes that sometime uh, need to be made. So after all these things are considered, now to the mayor and city council. And in the end, uh, they are the ones that have the responsibility to implement the policies of the comprehensive plan and provide a system of land use and development regulations that provides for harmonious use and the development of land. So. That kind of gives us an answer of why these things are always changing. Hope that helps out. It sure does, at least in my eyes. All right, so now that we know what land management code is, uh, why we have such codes, and why we keep it updated, let's take a look at the five changes that are coming to the land management code for the city of Hagerstown. 
Um, so the first one we're going to look at is the establishment of an institutional district. So each year, the American Planners Association, they hold an annual conference, and um, our director, Kathy Marr, attended last year's conference. And during that conference, they discussed how jurisdictions list institutional areas, such as schools, hospitals, cemeteries, and other similar residential uses on their zoning maps. Um, the reason for this is because a potential developer may look at a zoning map, like we talked about earlier, and believe that there are sections of undeveloped land in a community and see that as an opportunity. But that land cannot be developed on because established, established institutions, such as schools, are already in place on those large tracts of land. So the idea that Kathy brought back from this conference was to establish an inst institutional zone for the land management code for the city of Hagerstown. So in this way, we can accurately depict areas in our communities that are already developed with an institution and the ones that are available for residential development. So that just helps incoming developers who want to grow Hagerstown. And it, I mean, it works out for everybody, less confusion. Absolutely. All right, so a second change uh, deals with pedestrian sidewalks. Um, the overall goal of, of a city is really to have a walkable city. That's what planning looks into. Uh, walkability, it's a term that's used frequently in planning departments. So how does that relate to the city of Hagerstown? So what was observed was is that you'd have a commercial building in place. It was constructed uh, for the public, but what would happen is, is you would have a, a person, maybe they're getting to the building and they're, they're traveling on a sidewalk that's in in the uh, public right-of-way, so to speak, they get to the building and, and the sidewalk. There's no sidewalk. Hmm. So that would cause them either to walk in the street, uh, cut across the parking lot. They're competing for other cars that are in the drive aisle. So it just created an overall uns uh, unsafe situation and, and conflict. So what we realized is that the land management code did not have a requirement to uh, put in a private sidewalk connecting the public sidewalk to the front door of a structure, a business, or so forth. Um, so it wasn't that the developers did anything wrong by right. leaving it out, but uh, every business or development requires a site plan. It plans how things are going to be designed. Well, that requirement wasn't there, so since they weren't required to do it, they didn't put it in. So, because of that unsafe situation and the public not being able to have these sidewalks uh, connecting to existing structure, uh, the requirement was now that we needed to put in place uh, this requirement for sidewalks. So in our land management code, we added a section under the site plan standards that states, quote, pedestrian walkways and sidewalks shall be provided between public sidewalks along public streets and the main pedestrian entrance of buildings or units of buildings, unquote. Again, this amendment, uh, like many, was made to protect neighborhood character and to enhance the city's uh, safety in our community. Very cool. All right, so the next one um, is the height limits on stealth cell towers. All right, so as Sean brought up earlier in the episode, uh, technology changes, and we have to be able to change the current codes to keep up with the technology. You know, who would have thought that we'd have to think about the size or the looks of a stealth cell phone tower? What is a stealth cell phone tower to begin with? Well, it's exactly what it sounds. It's a cell phone tower that's disguised as trees, church steeples, billboards, silos, 
or basically anything that you can disguise a regular cell, cell tower. Um, so the FAA uh, regulates the tower height when lights are required, which is at 200 feet, but they do not limit the height of the towers themselves. That's interesting. I thought they'd have some type of strict um, requirement on that, but they do not. But the local jurisdictions do have the ability to make local amendments to limit the cell tower height. And that's nice to have, uh, you know, each, each place is different. Each city, town is different and can make the amendments to fit their own, own jurisdiction. The maximum height of all towers in the city of Hagerstown varies depending on the zoning district in which it is located. So our jurisdiction recently had a request to install a stealth cell tower at North Hagerstown High School. This tower was disguised as a marquee sign that provides a graphic for the school. So in this situation, we had no limits on the height of a stealth facility. Uh, residents in the community were very concerned with the aesthetics of the area and the effects of the tower, you know, what it would have in the future. And like we mentioned, we've never had this in the past. You know, these are brand new things that are popping up. How, you know, what are the concerns, safety concerns in the future? Well, although the residents raised these, raised these concerns, there was no code request to prohibit this tower from being at the proposed height. This stealth cell tower was approved, but the planning commission took the concerns from the community and created a requirement to limit the height of stealth cell towers to be consistent with the things they are disguised as. So what that means, if you're going to disguise it as a sign, it has to be consistent with those other signs in the area or trees. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, they have to be, in, you know, about the same size as uh, the other trees in the area. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. All right, so the fourth uh, change in the land management code deals with fences. Um, so prior to amending the code, when it came to front yards, only decorative metal, wood picket, wood picket, or composite picket fences were allowed. But this year, we were able to add vinyl picket material. Now the same standard applies to all fences where the spaces between the pickets must be as wide as the pickets. So uh, the zoning requirements are that there can not be any solid fences in a, fr a front yard, but rather by adding this new vinyl picket material to it, it really was able to streamline the process and clean up the code to really establish a more uniform standard and also to accommodate standard materials like we just talked about. But uh, we also recognize too that fences are regulated differently depending on whether they are considered an open or a closed fence. So when, we when we're talking about an open fence, what are we talking about? Well, it's those type of fences that have a space in between the pickets. So for example, if you have a picket fence and each picket is two inches wide, then it has to have a space at least the same width, uh, being two inches to be considered an open fence. So nice little addition to uh, uh, an additional material that we can use for fences in the front yard. Cool. I like that. All right, so the final change is uh, the addition of rooming houses as part of the land management code for the city of Hagerstown. Um, so a land, or, excuse me, a rooming house is defined as a facility with sleeping rooms to rent. Um, they contain shared bathrooms and have kitchen facilities in the common areas of the facility. Rooming houses are often considered a transitional style of housing. 
This was very common in the 19th uh, century and early 20th century for young bachelors like Sean Brown may have been back then. Have you ever been part of a rooming house? Uh, no. Alrighty then. <laughs> and this was also uh, good for people moving from the farm to the city and also people just arriving to our country. Nowadays, rooming houses are an alternative form of housing that can help bring people out of homelessness and keep people from becoming homeless. So our local code um, did not permit this type of housing in any zoning district um, earlier this year, uh, but amendments were made to the code to allow rooming houses as a means of increasing housing choices and diversity throughout the city. The code limits the number of units uh, in a rooming house to 16. Um, it is possible that a facility could get approval for a higher number um, in a commercial district if it is approved by the Board of Zoning Appeals. If a facility with more than 16 units is approved in the commercial general district, the code requires a supervisor representing the owner being on site 24 hours a day. Uh, once these facilities get to a certain size, the city feels that there needs to be some type of oversight, you know, something similar to what you'd get at a hotel. Um, the size of the rooming units is based on the number of occupants and the number of bathrooms required is based on the number of units in the building itself. Off-street parking requirements are made to ensure the introduction of these facilities do not create an additional parking strain on the neighboring streets. So the city's new zoning provisions now allow rooming houses in our high-density residential district, residential office district, commercial general district, and the city center mixed-use district, which is outside the smart growth A&E district. These are zoning districts accustomed to and intended for high-density housing or commercial activity, either through design or the character of the neighborhood. Yeah, you know, that's a really important change um, because most of us really don't think about that type of use because most of us don't need it, right? Right. But it does fill a very important uh, gap I agree. Uh, in the needs of people that, that, that can take advantage of them. So, yeah, an important change. All right, Donnie. Well, are you ready for, like, a weird news story? I've been looking forward to this one all day. Yeah, yeah. This is an interesting one, uh, probably better than a month ago. A lot of uh, news outlets shared this, including NPR, which I, I took it from personally. But uh, up in New York, there were a couple of property owners, and they had a couple of condos in this building. And what they decided to do was to cut them in half to create more housing, if you will. But they cut them in half horizontally. So basically they created an additional floor between two floors. Wow. Uh, to put it simply, creating 18 tiny apartments. So you're taking one unit and cutting it in half horizontally. Is that correct? It, it, exactly. Wow. And so what that created was ceiling heights that averaged between four and a half and six feet tall. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, you know, one thing led to another. Inspectors got involved and they noticed that there were unapproved structural changes, electrical and plumbing work that was done without any permits, a number of things. And that included even creating an illegal bathroom, which was shared among nine tenants. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, and each space was only about 70 square feet. Some of them didn't even have windows. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. But uh, one of the persons that was living there interviewed, they thought it was a really good deal, like 600 a month. So You know, and that's sad. 
Um, it's sad to hear these types of things. It, you know, it's a crazy news story. We may laugh at it, but you know that is why we have these zoning guidelines, why we have these codes to protect the safety. You know, that's our you know, number one priority, and that is obviously you know something that was lacking. Yes. Here. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, we're in September, and September is National Childhood Obesity Awareness Awareness Month. So our kind of a little uh, public uh, announcement, uh, just making people aware of that. Uh, I was looking at at, uh, the website for the Disease Prevention and Health Promotion, and according to that office, did you know that one in five children in the United States have obesity? Mm. I did not know it was that high. Yeah, yeah. And what makes it worse is that now these children, they're at risk for for problems that uh, were once only seen in adults. Things like type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease. Can mm. you imagine? And so the website really just went on to talk about some solutions that can be uh, easily implemented, just small changes. For example, keep fresh fruit within reach of the children. Take family walks after meals. So, um, you know, that's a little exercise and it's promoting good family closeness. Uh, get your children involved in preparing and helping out with preparing healthy meals. And then even reach out to your schools, promoting school gardens. So just some things that ones can do to, to kind of help overcome those challenges. Well, thank you for that uh, public service announcement there, Sean. Um, it is a sad thing. So, All right. Well, we would, uh, we'd love to hear from all of our listeners. So if you have any questions uh, for me and Sean, uh, things that we have talked about in previous episodes, feel free to email us at pcad at hagerstownmd.org. That is P-C-A-D at hagerstownmd.org. And also for more news uh, from the Planning and Code Administration, you can subscribe to the Hubbub podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and we are now on Spotify, which is very cool. And you can join us online at Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for the City of Hagerstown PCAD. And I'll also link our profiles in the description of the podcast so you can easily find us. And we appreciate you all listening to this episode of the Hubbub Podcast. Uh, Be sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcast and let us know about topics you'd want for us to cover in the future. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Absolutely. And please join us next month when we will cover uh, building and trade code changes and how they affect you. So we encourage you because they do affect all of us. Well, lastly, we want to feature our music artist for the month of September, a man by the name of Dan McCarthy. Uh, Dan, he's a solo acoustic folk rock artist. He's kind of a one-man band, and uh, he really puts a lot of feeling in his music and lives right here in Hagerstown with his family and and really enjoys Hagerstown. And Dan, uh, he just really loves writing music and really connecting to the audience because he's just a one-man act. He's able to, you know, have those intimate uh, scenarios with people that are listening. And you can find his music on Facebook, YouTube, and Reverb Nation. And he enjoys doing these intimate performances in small venues and restaurants. And Dan McCarthy would love to perform an intimate solo acoustic folk rock show for your event. And you, if you'd like to Book him. You can do that at gigsalad.com, gigsalad.com. So thank you very much, Dan, 
for contributing. And thank all of you for listening to the Hubbub Podcast. Open your door to self-reflection.